welcome to another episode of the Sawdust Nation podcast with your host, Josh from North Country Woodworking, Nap from Nap's Naughty Works LLC, and Nick from NPG Creations. Today on the show, we have a special guest, Paul Souter from the owner and operator of Woodcraft Texas is with us. Hey, Paul, how you doing? I'm very well. Thank you all for having me. Outstanding. It's great to have you on. I know we talked about it a long time ago, but great to finally get you here. But uh, before we go into uh, the What's in Your Shop segment, uh, we're going to go ahead and hit on our sponsors. So further ado, I'm going to kick it on over to Nick. Nick, uh, give us a sponsor list. Hey, glad you asked. So check it out. Our sponsors are as follows. We want to thank PWNCNC for their continued support and for making this episode possible. So thanks a lot, Pwn CNC. Daniel over there has got some, uh, some great gear. He sells on his website, pwncnc.com, and um, it's just great for your CNC and all the upgrades. Promo code <laughs> Sawdust Nation for 10% off all your orders at PWNCNC. And next up, Total Boat. Thank you for your continued support. Total Boat makes some great epoxy. Check them out, totalboat.com, or hit them up at Total Boat on the big Instagram. And if you need a uh, promo code for them, we got, you know, we'll be your Huckleberry. Just slide into our DMs on the Instagram and we'll send you that promo code. And last but not least, JTEC Photonics, thanks for your continued support as well. Um, if you're in the, in the mood for that diode experience, check them out at jtechphotonics.com. And now, with a moment we've all been waiting for, the, the woodcraft mogul of tools, Paul Souter. Yeah. How you doing, sir? And what's going on in your shop? Thank you for that title. That's quite the title. I don't know if I uh, live up to it, but I appreciate it. Um, what's going on in my shop? So I got a couple things going. Uh, this year for me has been kind of a year of getting into segment of woodworking called Kumiko. And for those that aren't familiar, it's kind of a uh, it's a Japanese lattice work. It's an old Japanese tradition that dates back hundreds of years, and it's you, most people are probably most familiar seeing it in the soji screens, the Japanese soji screens that that they do so beautifully. And I took a class a couple years ago, and in the piece that we built, we made one of those. And I abandoned, or I just hadn't gotten back to it much. And this year, I decided to really dial in that segment of my woodworking abilities and basically just jumped into that a whole bunch and have been making a bunch of uh, panels. They're basically picture frames, but you, you do the uh, you do all the different angles on these little small pieces of wood and assemble kind of a geometric pattern. And there's, there's lots of patterns out there. There's lots of different angles and lots of ways you can go about it. Uh, I've just been kind of doing the, the more basic it's called Asanoha pattern and it, it's uh kind of resembles a hemp leaf and okay. just yeah just real beautiful it's it's actually it looks pretty complicated but once you learn the process and you know where you're going it's it's pretty manageable and ends up being a lot of fun so do you, do you use traditional japanese hand tools or are you using just uh, power tools or what what for that i'm using a japanese pull saw you but that's you could use whatever you want it, that the Japanese, the saw cuts it to rough length. And then you've got a little jig that you use. That's it's got an angle cut on it. That is your registration surface for a chisel. And I'm using just a basic uh, bench chisel 
to cut the angle, but there's plenty of people that do get go down that road and use the the Japanese style chisels. And I just I don't have any. I haven't really gotten those. I got a set of Stanley Sweethearts back years ago and love those, and that that works for me. So yeah, it's a really nice uh, uh, way of woodworking because you can you can basically get all your strips cut and you get the frame assembled and then you just sit with your uh, ham tool. Yeah. Let me grab one. I've got one right on the wall, pull one off the wall. So if you're watching, if you're, that that maple is uh, pretty nice there. Is that curly maple? Yeah. It's got, it's got a little, (laughs) little curl in there. I tried to, yeah. So that's nice. But it's, so you get like you get first dibs on all the all the wood, right? So you know, you get the best stuff, right? Technically, yes, but I don't I don't like to do that. I um it's and we we try and instill that in the employees as well as we need to get the good stuff out on the floor. I like to play the game of it's going to go out on the floor and people will have a good 2 weeks to get after it and then I'm going to go sift through it and whatever's there after that point in time, it's fair game. So what you're so. saying is you hide the good stuff behind Underneath, all the bad yeah. stuff. And that way in two weeks when it comes up. No, oh. but I know employees that do that. So I would uh, definitely spend the time and, uh, and go through the know, wood. We encourage it. I never thought of that. I never thought of like, when I'm buying a piece of lumber that, you know, the individual <laughs> who's checking out like at the counter is like silently cursing me. So. And for the employees, we like to, we like to encourage them to tell us what they're interested in. We try and get it added onto an order so that they can, they can get that in and of themselves. They don't have to worry about the retail side of thing. I mean, they place their order, we'll get it ordered for them. That's theirs. And then. But like I say, the rest of the stuff we need to give everybody a fair chance to get after it. So, what, you got, what else you got going? Are you making uh, you making some other uh, uh, stuff for the holidays coming up? Anything for Halloween? No, I need to. Um, I leave that. We have a our Austin manager. He's got a CNC up in that store, and he's been really diving into into the CNC, and he does all sorts of intricate carvings and and whatnot. So I. I place my order with him and let him cut them out for oh, me. Okay. So that's cool. Um, the only other thing I really got going is I've been trying to work on the shop. I try and do a, a project for myself and then uh, something for the shop. And the something for the shop this time around is I want to get a uh, tool wall going. So basically, hung up a piece of plywood and going to just get all my tools mounted to that so they're out in the open. No, no tool cabinet or anything just all out in the open turn around grab it turn around get back to work so are you gonna do like a french cleat system or yeah it's on a french cleat and then because now it's it's proud of the wall three quarters of an inch plus the three quarter inch plywood i'm now gonna edge edge it with some maple and hide all the edges and just kind of trim it out and then holders for all the tools and stuff so that should be a lot of fun yeah josh likes doing that stuff your shop, your shop over there, Josh, still has all the tools on display, right? Yeah, for the most part, it's an easy way. Um, I don't know how big your shop is, Paul, but for a smaller shop, it's an easy way to you know put things on the wall. I can see where they are, grab them, put them back. Keeps that work surface clean. That's a yeah. That's exactly what I'm going for. Is just be able to turn around, grab the tool, use it, put it back up. Um, I'm a very firm believer of 
a place for everything and everything in its place. Absolutely. Mm. I'm yeah. a firm believer of using the tool and just leaving it laying around till I need it yeah. again. And then I can't find it and look for it for 45 minutes. <laughs> and then just go buy it, go to Woodcraft and buy another one. I'm just saying, Nile, I can't find it. I like your style. Call it a tape measure. I can never find one. <laughs> uh, well, that, no, then I, you know as soon as you get home with it, you're going to find it. So mm-hmm. I figured see? out there is a tape measure to shop ratio. When it comes down to it, I need five tape measures. Out of five, I will always have one in sight. So you got to have the. <laughs> Dude, have no way, man. That's funny. <laughs> There's like, I have a collection point of pencils that <laughs> they always seem to end up by the miter saw. <laughs> Like every last one of them. Like, and I'm See, looking around, spot, like, though. yeah, but you it's not a, an up. official spot. I start out with them spread out, you know, and then by the by the end of like the week, they're all by the miter station. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So it's the woodworking <laughs> elves coming into your your shop. I know, right? You're in the game, you know. You're doing what you're doing, or you're busy. You start moving things. You put it. That's where that French plate comes along. It's a great idea for any shop because you can literally use it. Put it back, and you start getting in the habit of doing that. I still got to work on my habit because I'm kind of, you know, yep. be using it and forget to put it back. But in theory, it's supposed to work really well. That's a no speaking for me. Speaking of speaking of habits, I just recently realized I have a problem. Uh, my habit is buying large item tools and not having a place for them. <laughs> Is that the CNC you're referring to, or did you buy? No, no. Okay, I'll I will go into it when I get into my shop. But uh, I uh, here. Paul, you you got anything else going on in that shop over there, sir? <laughs> That's about it. Go for it. All right. Hey, Nap, what's going on in your shop? I know you've been a busy bee all day. You look tired. Uh, yeah. So let's just say first and foremost, you know, pricing is key when it comes to any project. Uh, we'll just chalk this up to a proven concept to possibly make me more money later, which is totally fine with me, uh, considering it's that dual uh, cheap promotion chest that I've been working on very diligently. Uh, it's due out Thursday Hi, afternoon. Oh, hey there. Hey there, phone. Uh, <laughs> um, they wanted it for the 1st of October, which is promotion day for a bunch of chiefs. And uh, so I was like, cool. I'll get that done. And the phone's talking again. Hey there. Sorry. And uh, Son. I found out that I didn't have, I had enough wood, but I didn't charge enough. You know, I, I was probably about two, $300 shy of what I probably should have charged, but it is what it is. Uh, it's almost done. Uh, right now it's sitting on its back. I put two, um, That's how I, I made it. the divider. What's that? What? Oh, whatever. Nick. Oh. <laughs> um, when I put the divider in, I did a dado. And when you do, you know, anytime you run anything through uh, a table saw, it's got that little, like, little spot on there that looks like you see where the saw blade nicked it. But what I ended up doing was I actually purposely did that. So I ended up taking a piece of uh, walnut and putting it in place to hide it. And it also acts as a support. So that's what it's sitting on. That's why the chest is on its back. That's why, you know, Nick made the awesome comment earlier. So, I'm, um, hey, I'm curious, what are the overall dimensions on that, that chest? It is... 30 inches wide by 19 and a quarter deep and by 20 tall-ish, 20 tall. It's 30 inch big. chest, huh? It's, yeah. I like big chests. I'm just saying. I you do. So. I, think, I mean, I'm, I'm more of a truck guy myself, but um, anyways, that thing's heavy. I knew it was going to be heavy. The customer knew it was going to be heavy. I told him, hey, we're going to need two people to like pick this thing up because it's made out of solid maple and walnut. 
I did take some uh, weight precautions. I ended up making the uh, trays out of um, walnut, but I used instead of using full walnut, I'm using a piece of plywood as my uh, my bottom part of the tray mm-hmm. to cut down on some weight because it still looks just as nice. Baltic birch, if you've ever you know used it, which everyone here has used it, uh, I'm sure it looks pretty nice. Even when you add that new Odie's dark to it, so yeah, I have got the Odie's dark, and let me tell you, it's some good stuff. I use Odie. I'm using Odie's dark on the entire chest and it's it's coming out really nice so far i've literally got maybe two hours left of work on this thing and that's two coin racks a laser job on a piece of maple and then glue in some stuff and all bro finish but that's the big project that's in the shop right now i gotta second you on that Odie stark stuff is amazing and it ages so. and the thing on that stuff is it says it ages as it ages it gets darker so i'm very curious to see the aging factor of this Odie's dark um, i'm probably going to put it on a piece of my own and just leave it and just see like what the aging factors are. Cause I won't see this chest probably ever again, honestly, other than the Facebook posts, uh, that'll be of like, Hey, look at this awesome chest that, you know, we received from your business. Um, and then I got this guy. So some guy asked me to make like a keyboard type, uh, coin rack looking thing. So I did a 3d keyboard, try not to tip and lose all my coins right now, but it's a uh, out of cherry. Uh, I got to finish that, uh, sometime this week. I, the guy said there's really no rush, so it's one of those like I was able to run it on the CNC while doing some build uh, work on the table. Uh, let's see what else I got in here. I'm just looking around because I only have a bunch of stuff. I've got two panels of wood being ready to cut or waiting to be cut for two other jobs that are like, a, hey, when you get time to do it type jobs. One's a shield or remake of something to hang a, a sword on with some stats uh, for a military training instructor. Uh, I'm waiting for an approval on 15 quarterly awards from the wing. Uh, it's really quick and easy, like cut out some shapes and Jarvis did their laser, some image on it and put some hangers on it. That's literally all it is. I was like, okay, uh, just know that it's going to be X amount of dollars just to turn my machine on. So, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. Just trying to think if there's anything else crazy. A couple hat presses. That's really nothing new. Tools. So, you know, Nick talks about getting tools and can't ha- can't fit them. Well, I may or may not have pulled the trigger on a 1938 Supermax drum sander. Uh, I, I almost got the 25. No, he pulled the trigger. I, oh, no. I was the one who pushed him into doing it. Yeah. He Okay. So I was going to get it regardless, but he ever so slightly nudged me. He goes, Nap, how much do you want for your drum sander now? And if I buy it, will you get your upgrade? I was like, well, I said, I said, when do you plan on buying it? So it was very self-serving of me. So yeah, like, when do you plan on buying it? Because I'm buying yours. And if I pay you now, will you buy it now? Basically. So Basically, Nick wanted a new drum sander. Yeah. So then Nap's like, Nap's like, you could have it for like 500 bucks. And I'm like four, 400. And he's like 450 sold. Good. <laughs> so hey. yeah, man. And honestly, and that was a good deal, I think, on both parties, because not only did that pay a third of the Supermax off, um, I already had a chunk of change set aside for the Supermax. It was just a matter of when I was going to actually buy it, because I needed a buyer for my 1632 jet drum sander. So that shows up hopefully by Friday, if not next week, Monday. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, Almost got to 2550. The pushing factor was they didn't have outfit tables over there at Acme. Uh, because okay. no no place in this in, in San Antonio has any kind of you know supermaxes available, or really it's just hard to find them. I guess all there is is floor models out there. So you know not all places sell their floor models. So I mean it is what it is. So I bought it offline. But that twenty five fifty, it was I was so upset that it didn't have the in feet outfeed tables because I told her what about it. Yeah, that twenty five fifty is a beast. But the nineteen thirty eight is a great 
good size. You can get a lot of work done with that. Not sure how big of things you're doing, but <laughs> so, it will help him regardless. Oh, My yeah. biggest question, man, is like, where are you going to put that? It's going to go. It's literally going to change. It's going to take the position where the jet was. It's only it's, really, it's, not, it's not much bigger than the one I have now. Really? Like, because I have a 1632. So now imagine, yeah. okay, 1938, it's three inches of sanding space. Add a couple more inches, maybe of overall footprint. But the way mm-hmm. I have my shop set up is the planer goes against the wall because I don't use my planer all the time. My yeah. drum sander sits in front of my planer. My miter box is between um, the laser and the drum sander. My saw stop sits in the middle. So everything, there's a flow to my shop and it'll fit just fine, especially because it'll have wheels. Uh, so Got that, that, that feng shui going on. The feng shui. What, uh, what, what drum sander you got, Paul? Uh, I have a Sioux Supermax 1632. So the little guy. But yeah, the the uh, nice thing is that I have access to a 2550 in our San Antonio classroom. So if I ever do need the uh, the larger sander, I've, I've got access to it. So, But I, I love Supermax stuff. I love Their sanders are great. So absolutely. How is, That's a, how is the tool, like how is replacing stuff on those? Uh, on those pieces of equipment because I know jet like you got to find like someone that makes them like offhand just to get a new belt or conveyor or anything sometimes uh yeah it's jet is is kind of not I don't want to say difficult but they they have technicians throughout the nation that they have that will come and work on machines or I guess more specifically you've got to get the machine to them and they're verify or a uh, verified repair technician so they can fix it but uh that's that's a hassle you know trying to get a whatever it is tool hauled over a stationary tool hauled over to to that it it's difficult but there it that's pretty much that's the name of the game for all the big power tool vendors so they kind of expect you to be a bit of a machine head and be able to to take care of most things unless it's something really out of out of the ballpark and then you just have to to see what the the vendor's going to do. Yeah. yeah, my main concern was just really the conveyor belt because getting a hold of an actual conveyor belt for a drum sander seems to be next to impossible, depending on what model you have. Well, come to Woodcraft; we should have them. We 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 keep most of those belts in stock because the good to know. Yeah, good to know. I got a jet coming the end of the week. <laughs> it's easy. Well, you know, in setting these sanders, you know, it's real easy for that conveyor belt to start tracking to one side, yep. and before you know it, it's been rubbing for the last thirty minutes, and it's tearing itself apart, fraying on one end. So, yeah, no, we we definitely have them in stock and and can get them. Well, there you go, Nick. So now you know where to get one. Oh yeah. But oh, yeah. So moving on real quick, just so I can keep pushing us to you off to talk about what's going on in your shop. Uh, there is another tool on the horizon, probably in the next two months. I am looking at the 8-inch Laguna helical head joiner. Right now, the reason why I'm buying so many large tools is because I'm preparing to, I'm very 95% chance going to Albaline, Texas for my next station. So I will be buying a home out there that has a 30 by 30 shop already there. Uh, the wife and I have already started talking about where we're going to get a house, so. I'm getting all the big ticket items now. So that way when I move in, it's just ready to rock and roll. Like I, I'll have the stuff that I want. The only thing I won't have is a Stepcraft CNC. That's a couple of years down the road. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, other than that, that's what I got going on in my shop. I have finally become official though. 
I have my own stickers from Sticker Mule. And uh, nice. I finally could do sticker swaps. Nick came up to me my very first, like the first time I met him, and goes, "Hey man, if you need a plaque, call me." Slides me his card. He had a really nice card, and then later on, he gave me one of the stickers. Like, man, I'm really behind the game here. I don't have <laughs> stickers. I don't have cards. Too. God. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, uh, just hit Nap up at Naps Naughty Works LLC if you want a sticker. He'll send one right out to you immediately. That These day. are facts. My sticker now they're all gone. pretty small. Now they're all gone. Matt. Where's mine? <laughs> um, yeah. So where's Paul's? Yeah, I'll get you a Woodcraft sticker. We can swap. I'll be uh, actually. I'll be at Woodcraft probably tomorrow. Okay. So, Come in. Awesome. Hey, hey, we should go right after Top Golf. That's where we're oh, going. We're, we're supposed to go to Top Golf tomorrow. So for work. Uh, we'll see, we'll see you tomorrow there for Paul. work. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get a plane ticket. Okay, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we were going to go there right after Top Golf, anyways, there, Nick, because I got to pick up some stuff. Good. Well, Definitely we stop really in. A very hard life up there, I say. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, all right, man. so Josh, what's going on in your shop, man? We're going to skip Nick for now because Nick has a lot going on and grab finale from him later. Mm, interesting what he has going on. Uh, not too much. Uh, this last weekend, me and my son went camping. It was his first time overnight camping in that. So uh, that was fun. Five-year-old in the woods. It gets interesting fast. Um, he had a great time. We both had a great time. We got bit up a little bit, but kind of our own fault there. Big breakfast next morning, cooked out, and then we packed up shop and went home. But uh, as far as in the shop goes, um, I'm going to have about three Mel builds coming up. I have uh, a Mel I.O. Instagram buddy of mine. You one. Oh, yep. You, there's <laughs> one right there. There's four. And then, uh, no, there's three. You're counted in there. Actually, Crafted NJ is doing a 3K giveaway, so I donated a mallet to his giveaway as well. So I'll be making those three mallets thinking this weekend. Haven't got to your two-foot mallet yet, but uh, I'll get there someday. I will be making a box for a hatchet. I don't know the story behind the hatchet. I just know that it was a gift. They want a nice decorative box to house it. So that's going to be a fun build, something I have not done. My own squadron has approached me about Christmas decorations, tying them with, you know, this year's. So we're going over some designs of, you know, what's going to cost and how that's going to flow. When you start dealing with the people you work with, it gets kind of weird, especially when it comes to money. I'm trying to keep it, you know, one hat I work under you. The other hat is I, this has nothing to do with me working under you. And that's how I play it. It seems to work out well. So we'll see how that goes. I have a cornhole board. I'll be doing... Boards I'll be doing this weekend as well. Got the wood forum. I just have to get in there and knock that out. And then I've been approached about a couple of challenge coin holders as well. And uh, I have to design those, get those approved, and go through the approval process with the client. Uh, what else? I actually have some uh, shadow boxes. Uh, two people approach me about shadow boxes, and they want me to make them, but they don't want this is this is the kicker. They don't want something that someone else has necessarily done. It can look similar, but it needs to be different. So unique, um, yeah. So I'm trying to go I through, mean, and you should make a kegerator one. Like, check well, it out where the the door is the is the actual shadow box, and it opens up, and there's beer in it. Not or there's that. a keg. In it. <laughs> It'd be awesome, but I don't want to. I want to dip into that one. But so I'm trying to work on different designs and seeing, like, you know, what they like, they don't like, what's going to fit everything they want to go in there. So those aren't due until like next year. So, I mean, like, we're in the design process. We're going to take it slow, and we're going to get it right. But, uh, yeah, I didn't think I would ever do those. But uh, being approached by two people, they really want me to do them. So, 
that's about it. I have a lot of designing going on, a lot of um, trying to reformat my Etsy page and throw some stuff up there. But other than that, it's been um, it's been pretty busy, not just in the shop here. So, but that wraps me up. Let's go throw it at Nick and see what's going on in his shop. Hey, it's been one heck of a week, man. Absolutely one heck of a week. It's the end of the fiscal year coming up, which means people are placing orders for things that uh, you know they need to expend the budget. I guess you could say. So people are placing lots of orders. I got a large order, like a super large order, the largest order I ever had before in my life. It's massive comparatively to what I usually do. Um, me and Nap are going to tag team that. We already have a game plan. We just have to work out some some deets. That's right. Uh, other than that, um, I've been experimenting with carbon fiber on the CNC machine. Oh, so I've experimenting. been uh, experimenting, yes. So I've been uh, d- incorporating some carbon fiber uh uh, plates into my designs got a great reception on that the fit and finish isn't there yet so obviously i can't sell something that doesn't look cool to me so i need to make sure it's uh 100 before i release it for people to buy on etsy or whatever uh actually since i got that large order i went ahead and took all my etsy listings down because there's no way i'm gonna be able to to take care of everything all at once so i'm slowing down on taking orders if it's like an emergency. I'll take an order from somebody, but otherwise, not so much right now. Clearing out my current, the queue, all the, you know, I think I got like six things in queue right now. And then I'm going to start on that large project. We have like a eight to 12 week turnaround on one item and then however long, much longer for the others. So uh, we have some, we have some time. I just went and bought, uh, I went to Dakota Hardwoods and I bought uh, probably around like $550 worth of walnut. And, and a couple planks of cherry yesterday. That was fun trying to figure out where it's going in my shop because I don't have that much space anymore. He played Tetris this uh, past day. That's right. Too. That's right. I stopped by Paul's Woodcraft down here in San Antonio and I bought a jet, one of those jet dust collectors. I, I actually had a spot for it though. So <laughs> everything's beautiful now. Got the, that thing's loud though. Holy cow. Compared to the old one I had, which was like a portable one. But uh, it's got like the stand-up. It's got that big filter, like the canister filter on it. Up on uh, top. Yeah. Yeah. Super nice. I got a lot of CFM, too, so I can run my, my planer and my CNC with full dust collection at the same time on the same dust collector. Nice. Which, I mean, normally, you know, normally I would just like have to pull the hose off the CNC and put it onto the planer. And let the CNC just spit chips everywhere. But um, other than that, though, not too much else is going on in my shop. Um, you know, just enjoying the cool weather down here that's, that's coming into San Antonio. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'm just excited to have Paul on. I mean, we've been talking about it for, well, since I got here, I think. Yeah, early summer. Yeah. So, so yeah, glad to be here. Thank you all. Do you want to do the question or you want to – do a more of like a, let's do the question let's run into paul paul's our special guest here so we have a bunch of questions for him uh if we have time we'll throw the question out there and uh wrap up with that so paul where'd you get your uh woodworking start I'm guessing your dad right yeah um my dad uh growing up he would he had a little bit of a wood shop he had one of the old shopsmiths and used to see him out there doing things but we never we never went out. I'm, I'm the youngest of three boys and 
we we weren't invited out there. That was his time to get away from us, and he would kind of shoo us off, and we'd be off doing our thing, and he'd be in there. But watching him do things that that kind of sparked the interest, and then uh, he, in 2002. He ended up buying the woodcrafts and he was getting real into woodworking and more fine woodworking. And so that drew my interest. He ended up building a beautiful shop. And so I would go in there and tinker and just kind of mess around. I wasn't doing anything too serious. I was doing my best not to cut my fingers off at the bandsaw and that sort of thing. But um, that, that, uh, yeah, that, uh, that got me started in it. And once I started working for my dad, that was in 2012. And that's when I really just exploded on it and fell in love with it and really started taking it serious. And not that I'm any good these days, but um, definitely love doing it, love enjoying it, being part of the, the community of it. And I've just really, really enjoyed woodworking from, from that point on. I mean, that's awesome, man. I mean, um, the fact that he didn't let you in there and he still kind of found your way back to it. I mean, that says, says a lot, you know what I'm saying? Um, do you wish that you would have got started earlier or is that something that you're kind of happy it happened the way it did? Um, you know, I'm definitely happy with the way my life is. It's, I have a, I have nothing at all to complain about. So I'm very happy about that, but I would love to have, yeah, have kind of developed this craft, uh, more from an early age. And I hear, people who you know have, have gone down that road and the talent that they possess is amazing and the skills that they've built in that time is is very impressive and you know i'm i'm striving to get there but you know still feel i have a long road but um it's yeah i would have loved to have, have kind of picked it up from that early age the reason i ask i think all three of us wish that we would have started earlier at least i do I mean, like you said, the amount of talent that you possess now versus, you know, you're learning as you go. But that's part of woodworking we love is the learning curve. Do you sell any of the stuff that you make or is it just for you? No, I don't get a whole lot of shop time. And I really just enjoy making stuff for me and the family or friends and just kind of doing that. Um, You know, I'm sure you all are probably in similar boats. It looks like we all have young children around. And so my shop time consists of getting them to bed and, uh, going out and at the end of a long day of work, going and trying to drag yourself into the shop. And sometimes you find the motivation and the energy to do it. And other times you don't, but, um, I'm fortunate that when I get in there, I get to do it for myself and, and build the things I'm interested in building and, and focus on the skills that I want to build. So that's kind of where it leads me. So you definitely, you're you're saying how you're like trying to perfect crap, but you're doing like lattice work and all that stuff. Like I do not have the patience for that. Like that is like, oh yeah, I don't find myself to be that good. You're you're working with very intricate woodworking. Like I'm over here, like saws, yeah, big chisel, and you're just like, oh. It, this really is one of those things. Once you kind of get that technique down, it's it's pretty easy to to knock out. And like I was kind of alluding to, it's it's really peaceful to be able to turn all the power tools off, throw on a good set list. Like we're saying, it's at the end of the day, I want to relax. It doesn't require a whole lot of of physical energy. And you really get the opportunity to just kind of to focus on what you're doing, put whatever the stresses of the day were away and blow off some steam and, and produce something really beautiful. And, and yeah, when you, when you get that, 
that piece that slips right in and it all fits just the way it's supposed to. It's, it's definitely a satisfying feeling for sure. There's so many different avenues of woodworking that you could pursue and, you know, whether, whether it's cutting dovetails or, or doing Kumiko or, you know, whatever the, just dialing in a hand plane, it's, it all takes a certain level of skill. It takes a long time to get that universal fundamental skill to begin doing the high quality work you want to do. How do you sharpen your tools? Uh, I'm using just some whetstones, Shapton stones. I've got a 1,000, 8,000, and then had to bite the bullet on a 30,000 grit stone. And that's for my hand planes and chisels. That's, that's all I'm using. And it's a, and then you've got, you know, to, to get that initial angle, you may have a uh, diamond plate or something to, to rough it out or, or just even, yeah. you know, sandpaper down on glass. But once you get that initial angle set, you know, going back and honing and, and it's quick and easy. So I, I don't know if they asked this yet because I, I was dealing with a fight with my kids. <laughs> what is it like to be the man that owns Woodcraft? Like how, how cool is your job? Um, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It's a lot of fun. Um, I love it. I'm very, very fortunate. Um, I've thought about this a lot actually, and that I've thought about if you owned other businesses and there are plenty of cool businesses out there, but I mean, you know, if you owned a car dealership or if you owned uh, whatever it is, the, the, what a restaurant, the great thing about woodworking is that it, there are so many avenues and there's so many different things and directions that you can take it, that the possibilities are endless, what people are doing and the things they bring into the store uh, just blow me away. And the community that, that surrounds it, you know, I don't know that restaurants, how, if you owned a restaurant, if you've got that, I'm sure everybody geeks out on food and that I, I like food too, but just the ability to know that you can always go a different direction and you're, you're, there's always more to learn. It's, I, I love it, you know, being able to see the tools that are coming out and the different models and all the new, new different things that are coming down the pike is always really cool to see. And that's, it's a lot of fun. I'd be broke. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, I've, you know, I've told myself I've, there's no more wood coming home with me. I've, I've got too many one-off pieces of wood that say, oh, that's too too pretty. I, I I want that. And it's gotten to the point. No, I'm garage is full until I start making something. You gotta get a shit, man. That's what looks <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You're joking, Josh. I've literally thought about buying a shed for wood. I have too. In fact I looked out if my my back kind of like slopes up into a field, if it didn't slope up, there'd be a shed right next to my other shed. <laughs> Just for wood. Do you, hey, why don't you put racks in your in your shed out back, Josh? You can put a couple racks out there. Oh, because that's studs. all the stuff I took out of the garage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have to put. So are you? Yeah. See, that's are what I need. A, are you working out of a two car or a three car garage, Paul? Uh, yeah, I'm working out of a three car garage, and uh, but some of it is shared with lawn tools, kids' bikes, and and all that good stuff. So. A shed is definitely in the future and get all that stuff out of there and, and you know, quit wasting a, a perfectly good shop on a on somewhere to park bikes. 
you gotta yeah. do it slow, man. You gotta do it. You gotta get the shed, throw a bike in there, and then like slowly get it out. So you know. <laughs> The transition for the whole family is smooth. <laughs> you can't just be like, get a shed, it's out, because then there's going to be issues. That's pretty good advice. Good luck with that. Let me know how that comes it, That definitely will. So what's your favorite tools in your shop that you currently have or tools that you would like to get? I mean, you have access to you know pretty much every tool out there when it comes to woodworking. I'm just curious to know what you like using. Uh, the tool that sees the most use is probably my shop vac. And while that's not very exciting it needs to be done but um my favorite tool um that's a good question i i like my hand tools for sure i've I've been in the past few years been really getting into planes and making sure i can you know adjust a plane sharpen a plane and and take a nice good good thin shaving and so i really that's been a real blessing because now you get away from a lot of the sanding. You can refine the surface with the hand plane and you may get a couple little tracks here and there, but the sanding of getting those out is quick and easy in the finish that you're left with. And I'm, I'm not a purist that thinks that you have to, the finish has to be come straight off of the, the hand plane. I still do plenty of sanding, but I get to start at such a higher grit and it goes so much more quickly that that's a, a huge benefit. So I have a lot of fun with with the hand planes, so that's probably that's probably my favorite. So, question for you on hand planes because I've got the old little Stanley block plane, nothing crazy. I'm not, you know, I, I really want to get into the you know the whole hand plane thing because I ain't gonna lie. Sometimes uh, running something through a drum sander isn't necessarily needed. I could literally just you know plane the seams, but my problem is is how to set the blade on a plane on a hand plane like. Is it like you set it on the piece and you just let it where it barely touches? Like, uh, is there like some kind of technique or anything you do in particular that makes it easy for you? The good planes will will have a, a, a good adjusting knob at the back, and so I'll I'll sharpen it up. I'll make sure that when the blade goes in, it's going to be retracted from the bed of the plane, and then just slowly adjust and slowly adjust till I start seeing taking a little tiny shaving and. One of the other tricks that I've kind of learned is I have a dedicated piece of wood that's set off to the side that has been playing dead flat so that I'm not trying to set it off of a piece of wood that is already wavy. And so I'm trying to guess where, where, it is, where the blade is coming out from the bed and where it's not. I know I've got a dead flat piece that I can get it adjusted there. And once it's taken a real nice fine shaving off of that, I can then take it to my work piece and be able to, to, to go to work. And um, the other, the other trick I think is just really being sharp. That's the other key is just making sure that blade is, is deathly sharp. And as long as you got that going for you, you're, you're in a good position to win. So do you sharpen before every time you like say you're, you put them down, you pick them back up, do you sharpen them? Again I wish. Or? I wish. No. I don't again, we I I don't have that kind of time. I I probably go way too long between sharpenings. And that's one of the uh the goals for this year is we last year redid our kitchen and they put down some granite countertops and they cut out the where the stovetop goes. And I took that drop, took it back to the, to the granite shop, had them cut it square for me. So now I have a nice 
dead flat piece of granite that I'm going to build and create a little sharpening station so that it is right there, turn around, give it a few swipes, get back to work and no excuses. Now, if, if I'm not doing it, it's my own laziness, which it is already, but well, you know, I, nobody, I don't know if you, anybody here actually enjoys sharpening. Does anybody you here do. actually enjoy sharpening? You do Josh? No, you do. It's, oh, well, mine, on, mine doesn't take so long. Yeah. I have, I got the torment. Yeah. The T8, that's a beast. That's a great tool. You know, I, I bought it and I thought I was going to use it a lot more, but I use it like maybe once a month, nothing like super, but I'm not using a lot of hand tool. I use chisels, but I use my chisels the most, but I don't really use like the planes and stuff like that. Like everybody else, like Josh does. I know. So I got to ask you, what do you think about the traditional planes, which are like, you know, the regular hand style planes versus the newer style ones that come out from like bridge city. Have you seen those? Yeah. Those things look like uh spaceships. Yeah, I I haven't messed with any of those. I'm I've just got the regular bench planes. I've got a good set of our uh, Wood River planes, and those things do me pretty well. They're they're really good planes for the money, and those that's that's basically all I mess with. I I couldn't really speak to the Bridge City ones. I've I've seen them, and that's it. I like Bridge City though. That they they make some really cool stuff. Yeah, they have a lot of innovative stuff that they come out with. Yeah. What planes do you own? Out of curiosity, like good the numbers. Yeah, like you know, which ones do you own? Because you know, like you can have entire set where there's you know a wall planes, or you can have you know the basic set where it's three. You might have a five. What do you I mean? What do you own? I've got the four, five. I want a five and a half, although I just haven't pulled the trigger on it. And then a six. Then I have a number. I have a Lee Nielsen number four, which My I man. really, yeah, uh, that thing's nice. And then I also have the Lee Nielsen 62, the low angle. So, uh, yeah, that runs it up for me. I love me some Lee Nielsen stuff. It's so it comes right off the rack, ready to rock and roll for the most part. Yes, they are. They are beautiful tools, no doubt. So not to sound like a super new guy, what do the numbers mean on the planes? Like. <sighs> I've never looked this up. I've just never had, I just never really took the time to look. But since we're talking about it, what do they mean? Typically, your numbers correspond with the size of the plane as well as the angle of the, the blade, depending on. And it, sometimes it can be altered because you can have different, different angles in the same size plane. I've seen like the Bridge City planes, they have the two angles with one size plane. Have you seen those? Have you seen those, Josh? Yeah, uh, what you're referring to is the, uh, I think it's HP9. I would have to actually look it up to verify. But yeah, Bridge City, you're able to adjust multiple different angles with them so that you're kind of replacing replacing multiple different planes. You can also change out the blades to different blades to help with that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Nick's right on. Paul, jump in if you want. But size angle is basically what you're referring to when it comes to the numbers it's an old numbering system from stanley that they did back yeah. in at the turn of the century um and it's everybody's just that kind of set the uh the tone for the numbering and everybody just pretty much follows that and so yeah as you go from four up to a number eight um they just get longer wider and just 
yeah, that's pretty much it. And then you start getting into specialty planes and those go off in a different numbering system. So. Gotcha. I was just curious. Topic. There's some good books on uh, planes out there. If you want to learn about them, really good uh, reads. I like planes. And that's why I joined the Air Force. Anyway, <laughs> let's... Uh... Lame. <laughs> Lame? Anyway. Lame. Like that mustache. Well, do you want to you want to take a question now from uh, from AJ? Yeah, we, we can got go from... and throw that question out there. What's going on, gentlemen? Long time no talk, and you know, I think you might know who this is. But uh, you know, it's AJ over at Crafting and NJ. And uh, first, I want to say thank you for the praise that you gave me on uh, on last week's episode. It really means a lot to me. Um, I wasn't expecting it. You know, I was listening and I was kind of blown away by it. So uh, first and foremost, thank you so much for that. Um, just got a ton of stuff in the works, so stay tuned for it. But uh, anyway, I got two questions for you guys today. One has to deal with Etsy and the other has to deal with kind of finance and, uh, you know, keeping track of stuff. So with Etsy, I know I talked to Josh once before about this, um, might have even been a couple more times, but I, as you know, I make different style flags for different departments, military, you name it, I'll make it. Um, would you do one Etsy listing for like, let's just say a custom fire department one. And then, you know, in the description label, you know, can add names, badges, so on and so forth. Then a custom fire, a police department, and then military branches. It's kind of like, would you do, you know, a Marines one, an Air Force one, an Army one? How would you differentiate it? Because I could do one listing and put options there. But the problem is... Most times I've, I've seen it happen a, a few times in my own case that, you know, people don't read the description, they don't look at the options, and then you get more questions than orders, if that makes any sense. Um, so I'm curious, would you do multiple listings for each individual flag or would you do one listing um, and then kind of blanket it with all the options? Uh, one, it would cost you less because it would only be one listing, but I'm curious on what you think. Second question is, as you know, I buy a ton of lumber at one clip. And so I have it on hand. I have it at the ready and in, in inventory. So I'm not buying whenever I get a custom order. I don't go out and buy just X amount of two by fours for that order. I'll buy 50, 60 or whatever. Um, and then keep them on hand. So when you look at your finances or, you know, your Excel spreadsheets or whatever you're using, how would you label that? Like, would you just, you know, if it's mid-year or whenever you buy it, you're doing your in and out money. Uh, would you just do, you know, lumber, 300 bucks, and then just keep going and go, you know, going? Because every job is going to be using that lumber that I'm going to, that I'm going to buy. But I don't have that lumber set aside just for that job. Uh, I hope this makes some kind of sense. It makes sense in my weird brain, but um, yeah, I'm curious on what you guys are, uh, what your guys' take on it is. And uh, like I said, I've racked my brain on this for a while now, but anyway, great podcast, still enjoying it, still listening. So uh, just know I'm still one of your big supporters. So just wanted to also say, what's up, Nap? You know, never got to formally introduce okay. myself. So what's going on, guy? Anyway. You guys enjoy. I can't wait to listen. And uh, tell Walnut the cat I said hi. And I, I don't want to be on, his, on her bad side. AJ, 
That's all. Like three minutes, thirty second question, man. I mean, we will answer. We love you, brother. Uh, but you're dead to us. No, I'm just playing. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> that was like off the deep end quick. Jeez. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. All right, let's start off with the Etsy thing. I'll yeah. take I'll take Etsy the first the first uh, answer. So for your Etsy store, all right, it's twenty cents to list something unless you have like two different sizes. Like a large flag with the Air Force logo, small flag with the Air Force logo. And they look exactly the same. They're just different sizes. You could put those under one ad. But if you have variations like Army, Air Force, Navy, Marine Corps, Space Force, all that stuff, you want to do an individual listing because you want that to grab people's eyes. And plus, Etsy's going to do some, Etsy's going to do advertising for you. So when you upload those pictures under each, each individual ad, it guarantees that you get more marketing and more uh, more exposure, I guess, on the and Facebook and Instagram or whatever the ads, wherever they generate and populate at, right? So, and if you consistently keep updating your Etsy, say you upload new photos or you up put a new item on there, it's a better chance that you're going to get more exposure because Etsy is going to see that you're constantly adding stuff and constantly active. But that being said. More the merrier, folks. It's it's easier to go ahead and just put the option as its own thing, and then have them order it, and you see all the everything right there instead of having them like go in there and select from the drop downs and all that stuff. It's a pain in the rear. But what about you guys? Yeah. So I'm not Etsy. I don't still don't have an Etsy or anything like that. So I, I don't count. So I will um, honorably pass this question. How about you, Paul? You got an Etsy page? I don't, but uh, you I, mean Woodcraft doesn't have Etsy pages. Uh, we we'll look into it. I'll see. see I got your mailer, by do. the way. Um, yeah, there. That's um, no, but I think I like your advice of the just being able to see the different styles, and I bet you that I bet that uh, probably knocks out some questions that the customers are going to be having in conversation. So, so how about you, Josh? I about this not too long ago, and uh, I basically told him. For his, because uh, he does such a wide variety, I told him to basically go about it. I believe something similar, you know, for all the uh, forces, basically separate them, do a, like a, a fireman, uh, police, and then, um, you know, wavy, non wavy option there. That way they can get what are, which one they wanted. And, you know, he could separate those two. I mean, you have a good point, Nick. Um, I think at the point when I talked to him, I said, you know, one post for like, the Marines, here's a flag, you know, straight flag, and here's a wavy flag. You can drop down that option and then for any kind of other details. But, um, yeah, with Etsy, it's a numbers game. Um, I don't have the numbers on Etsy. That's why I don't have a lot of people buying my stuff from Etsy. Nick has quite a few things on his Etsy. That's why you can search certain things and he's going to pop up because he has that exposure. So I don't – and I, I also don't know if it's a trend – well, it's a trend for me, but I don't know if there's any, if it's a coincidence or if this is how it goes. But every time I ship off like three or four items, like they'll aggregate in my orders, right? And I'll knock them all out, ship them all within a couple of days of each other, and boom, get a whole new batch of orders, which is really weird. I don't understand how that works. Maybe Etsy's playing like mind games with people, <laughs> but like, no, you will wait till he ships out what he has before you order. No, but well, uh, that's just the do. way it seems to go. With the metrics, man, because when you fulfill those orders and you fulfill them within the timeline and people receive them, 
it shows that you know you're putting out a product on time and everything and especially with like free shipping if your shipping's included already in the price that puts you on like a scale so yeah, like, i knew free that shipping puts you at like number five if you start uh you know putting out orders on time it's number four and it just goes up so when you mm-hmm. sh- ship out all that stuff it's like hey this this maker's doing really well by his stuff you know we can rely on them because it's a business they want to you so, know they're advertising for you have you ever noticed when like some of the ads especially on ebay people do this where they're like they make it super cheap right like the price mm-hmm. for like a 50 dollars item is like 3.99 but shipping's like 48 dollars. so oh, yeah. it's they make it it's the same thing but different Anyway, same, same. Well, let's move on to that business aspect. Let's kick it over to Paul and Nap because I know they got, they're established. They've been around a lot longer than I have. So full send guys. What do you think? Well, since Paul is the uh, guest, I'll let him speak on it. And probably because he's probably got more business know-how than my little LLC. So it seems I would, uh, I would just have the, the lumber kind of included as your inventory and just use that and deduct as you go. And, and that's, take away i mean you would charge x amount per per job that would then take away from your inventory and i mean it just it that sounds exactly like our what what we're doing it's just kind of a different beast y'all are you're making things and but you still got raw materials we we sell tools and equipment and it comes in we buy it in bulk and it goes out individually just keep track of what's going out the door what's coming in the door should be different lines on on your PL. so realistically yep. the first thing you said on inventory that was the first thing i was thinking because literally that's why i buy as much lumber as i do like okay yeah i just went and spent five hundred dollars okay that's five hundred dollars in inventory okay how many board feet do i have okay this is how many board feet of this i have okay how much money am i making off that board footage blah 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 blah, blah. so yeah realistically aj just <clears throat> track it as inventory as paul said and as you make and sell stuff I mean, really just keep track. I mean, there's not really much to it in in this uh, regard. Uh, So I buy a lot of lumber because, not because I just need it as inventory, but because I'm a junkie. I I like see see a plank, whether I'm at Dakota Hardwoods or at Woodcraft or wherever, and I'll just buy it just to buy it because I'm like, that's, I like that. You know, I want it. I want it for me. But eventually I'll end up using it for the business. But I want it for me. I mean, realistically, I buy as much as I do just because I don't want to go back to Dakota. That's still like a 30, 35 minute drive from my house. So, yeah, look at Josh over here. He's like, oh, you go to poor. That's literally everything, man. (laughs) But no, you guys all hit on it. I I agree 100% inventory. You know, if you're going to write it in your books, I think he's using Excel because he's not established as LLC yet. You already spent that money. So you just put the money, deduct it as you go. I buy lumber because I know what lumber I'll be using. I have a, a footprint here. So I know what's going to be coming in, what people are going to be asking for, what I'm going to use. I use a lot of walnut. I use a lot of cherry, maple here and there, and poplar. That's pretty much what I have on hand. If it's something a little bit different, I'm going to have to go 40 minutes away from me or more to get that. <clears throat> oh, stop crying. Anyway, so hey, that's why I have two large planks of Jatoba and a plank of purple heart and, and things like that it's because i'm i'm that i buy it and then i'm like oh i'll use this for something and then i sort of like like today i just gave away probably 
I want to say probably like 40 or 50 board fit and cutoffs. It had to have been. You gave it the away. Lady gave it away. It's too stuff too small for me to use for any of my projects. I'm not just going to go make – I'm not going to just go make coasters. I mean – yeah, I'll let somebody else deal with that. Yeah, thanks for, fired. thanks for not sending those my <laughs> way to make Sawdust Nation coasters, you jack wagon. Don't worry. I got like 40 or 50 board feet left. Have you seen my garage? Holy smokes. I got lumber in my, my cabinets below the miter station. <laughs> That's how much. It's like full up. Anyway. Yeah, I think woodworkers I think- are hoarders in general. And, exactly. Uh, but it's a, uh, it's a good feeling to get rid of it and free up some space. I've, I've never... I've never thrown something away and turned around and said, you know, I really needed that four inch long, five inch wide, random piece. So, no. this is four by four. Okay, perfect. <laughs> All right. Hey, and by the way, hey, so Paul, I I was up in um, I was at your store, and I saw you guys had some curly walnut. Holy smokes, man, that stuff's gorgeous once it goes through that planer. Yeah, that is some pretty walnut. Yes. But uh, I, I and I actually called um, I called my normal lumber supplier and I was like, hey, do you guys have any of this? And they're like, I've never even heard of it. I'm like, are you kidding me? How you? How are you in lumber? I'm so, sure they've heard of it. They just don't want to tell you about it. Of curly walnut? Yeah. That's well, not it's too like crazy. figured and curly. And yeah. Quilted. Some of it's quilted. It's yeah. Gorgeous. They're saying they've never heard of it. Uh, there are some lumber yards they don't want anything to do with that. They're still selling straight to millwork companies, and and you know you y'all being the one off creator, y'all are looking for the specialty figured stuff. And I've heard, yeah, a lot of a lot of dealers don't really want to mess with the figured stuff and bird's eye and this and that. And so but it's your charge for it, though if they have oh, it because yeah. I've seen that they're like, oh, we don't carry it, but if it's there. We, you know, you can buy it, but it's not like normal prices. Like yeah. Besides the fence. Oh yeah. Of course. The code is pretty good about not doing that though. I wish mine Anywho. Was. Mine's not. <laughs> we're pushing, we're pushing time here, guys. You think we should wrap it up? Um, yeah, we could wrap it up. Hey, uh, let's get to hear from our sponsors once more. So, uh, kick it over to Nick. Hey, glad you asked. Let's go ahead and thank PWNCNC.com. Check them out. Daniel over there has some amazing stuff for your CNC machine. And now use promo code Sawdust Nation for 10% off your online order of PWNCNC products. And check out their new spindles that they have coming out. They've got the air cooled and the water cooled. So uh, PWNCNC.com or at PWNCNC on the Instagrams. And Total Boat, check them out, TotalBoat.com or at TotalBoat for that amazing epoxy experience. Get, uh, hit them up if you're uh, if you're ever looking to get some epoxy. Um, hit them up on Instagram; they can rec- make recommendations for you. Or uh, if you need a promo code, once you do decide to pull that trigger, hit us up over at the Sawdust Nation Podcast Instagram page, and we will provide you with a ten percent off promo code for all Toadbook products. And last but not least, JTech Photonics. Thank you so much for your continued support. Visit them at jtechphotonics.com for that diode laser experience. And I know I said last but not least already, but I do want to thank the patrons from our Patreon account. You guys are amazing. But I want to thank Paul for being here today because, you know, just having his experience and the aura of this, this you know, titan of woodworking industry. <laughs> what? It's, I mean, it's true. You know, it, it was really, a really pleasant experience to have you on here. And if you 
don't, or if you live in the San Antonio area, check them out at Woodcraft San Antonio down at 13719 San Pedro Avenue. They're open Monday through Sunday, so check them out. Anyway. Thank you all for having me. No worries, man. So if you want to get a hold of us, you can go ahead and, you know, hit us up on Instagram. We have four accounts you can hit us up on. You have Nick from MPG Creations. You have Nap from Nap's Naughty Works LLC. And myself, Josh, from our country we're working. And then the Sawdust Nation podcast Instagram account, which you may never know who's going to answer that. Um, we sometimes go back and forth, and you might be talking to all three of us. And then we have the Sawdust Nation podcast at gmail.com, where you can send a voicemail, pictures of your current project, or hit us up with any kind of topics you want to hear on the podcast itself. Look forward to hearing from you. With that, I'm going to kick it over to Nap, and he's going to tell us about... Oh, that Apple podcast, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah that's- oh, yeah, so hey, if you... Uh, if you he'll he'll get it eventually. Shut your mouth. He's only been a member of the podcast for like six months now. Jeez, oh my! No, I mean, I'm just wait. I'm just waiting for Josh to get through his whole spiel, you know. But hey, listen, if you do want to listen to the podcast on the Apple uh, Podcast app, uh, make sure you give us five stars. Uh, if you don't give us five stars, as you uh, heard earlier, Walnut the cat from AJ uh, from that question there will come and get you. You don't want to be on a bad side. Uh, but for real, if you don't give us five stars, tell us why, so we can make sure we're giving you the content that you would like. Uh, to hear uh, that way you can go ahead and change your rating to a five star yeah we're here for you so final words paul what do you got oh uh not a whole lot i just really appreciate y'all the taking the time and let me let me get on here and have some fun with you guys well much appreciated man yeah much appreciated thanks for being here now what say you uh if you have any used tools and you need to sell them you can go and sell them to nick i'm sure he'll buy them at a premium price i know but for real folks hey this is community make sure you guys are helping each other out you know, I had a maker uh, come to the garage now for the past week or two, learning some things from me uh, and just reinforcing the whole maker uh, community versus competition, uh, because that is what this is. That's what we're here for, to help everyone out the best that we can. Uh, that's what I got. What you got, Nick? Well, uh, as usual, take care of yourselves and each other. And until next time, um, I'll be at Woodcraft. How about you? Come see if us. If you at Woodcraft, where you at? what was the one saw that old commercial that's like woodcraft making your woodwork for you remember that helping you make woodwork that's right oh yeah that's what it was helping you make make woodwork yeah (laughs) so help yourself out make your woodwork go to woodcraft anyway josh nap had a right community over competition um and you can go ahead and grab one of those shirts from Redwood Coast page. If you go to this uh, shirt section, it's the third page all the way down. It's about thirty dollars and definitely worth it. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to us. You turn us on, we're gonna whisper in your ear about all the wood and how we're working it. And uh, you can listen to us in the kitchen. You can listen to us as you're mowing the yard. You know, reorganizing the garage. You know, setting up the wood shop. Or uh, you know, we could be part of your playlist when you're doing some fine chisel work. We can be whispering in your ear. Go in the shop. Make some sawdust. Sawdust Nation. Ow! Ow! Sawdust Nation out. I got it. We have we have the slow (laughs) one. Oh my gosh! (laughs) I can't do it. I can't do it. He gives me crap about being the new guy, or you know, been here for a while. He's been here since like the like the middle of this freaking podcast, and he can't even do it. I, you know, uh, uh, hey, Paul, hey, man, honestly, it's been a pleasure. Um, we're, we're still recording, so I'll wait till the recording stops to tell you what else I want to say. But um, 
Anytime you oh, want to. Oh, it was a lot of fun. No, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, one of the room. If, uh, no, we're just going to go talk shit about Rockler. No, I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. <laughs>